Hello and welcome to the Brain Care Podcast, a practical and impactful series of snappy episodes on how to optimize your mental health and performance so you can reach your full potential. My name is Dan Murray-Serta, and I'm the co-founder at Heights. We make smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help you take care of your brain so it can take care of you. Gina Rippon is back on the podcast, sharing insights from her extensive experience in gender and neuroimaging to discuss gender and its consequences on our mental health. So welcome back, Gina. It's a, a great topic, so we'll crack straight into it. What do gender differences or assumptions mean for brain owners? And I think especially we want to focus on the impact of mental health on this one. So obviously, I know you're, you're going to say that the differences are limited if there are any. But that being said, there are, of course, numerous differences between our genders on the surface. So what does that potentially mean for us? Yeah, no, no. I mean, I, th- I think it's a very important question. And actually, it's a question which... I mean, you're not neuroscience's finest hour if you delve into some of the rather unkind things that have been levelled against, you know, the, the spats that go on between neuroscience about sex differences or not. One of the observations made is that there are clear gender differences in mental illness. So much higher incidence of depression in women, of eating disorders, self-harm, um, higher incidence of, of suicide in, in young men, addiction and aggression related problems. So at that level, yes, there are clear there is clear gender gaps that we need to explain. And certainly with respect to depression and eating disorders, for example, this has been tied quite firmly to biology saying that there are genetic reasons for women being more prone to depression or eating disorders than men. So it almost back to the, you know, blame the brain type mantra. It also comes to the idea that autism is a male problem uh, and things like ADHD and not saying it's a mental health problem, but things like stuttering, for example, more common in, in boys. So brain related problems do have gender differences, but again, overlapping. But explaining those, we also need to look at the context uh, because it comes back, if you like, to the idea about, you know, we raise our boys to be brave and our girls to be perfect. And the fact that men have problem with emotional expression and that women have a lot of problem with self-image and lack of self-esteem. And we know that self-esteem is a very powerful driver in the brain. And this is, in fact, where a lot of my other research has been in rather unkindly sitting people in scanners and saying, can you remember the worst mistake you ever made and how much of it was really your fault? And various issues like that. And then saying, let's have a look and see what happens to the brain. And we know that the kind of brain changes associated with the lack of self-esteem are the same brain changes associated with real pain. So it demonstrates how important self-esteem is or how much importance our brain attaches, if you like, to maintaining our self-esteem. So I think we need to look at self-esteem. And if you're going to start looking at self-esteem, then you need to look at the context in which males and females function. Is it more likely that women have lower self-esteem than men? The answer is yes. There's been worldwide surveys. Why might that be? So that's not dismissing a kind of biological explanation of depression, but saying then you need to look at the context in which somebody who has this particular kind of propensity, how society might trigger that more in one group of people than another. And I talk in the book about um, the area of the brain that I've been working on, uh, which is like a go-no-go system. 
So there's parts of our brain which will inhibit behaviour if the brain predicts that these will lead to negative consequences. If, for example, a female is confronted with a culture in which she's clearly not welcome, there's no people like her, it's been really difficult to get into it, her successes are not acknowledged or, or acknowledged differently from successes of men, then there could be something going on in the brain saying, this is actually not somewhere where you belong. And the sense of belonging is, is, is really powerful. Other than the, the obvious ones you've just mentioned, do you think there are some clear risks or areas that men and women should be particularly concerned of regarding uh, their gender or their perspective on their gender and how it can impact their mental health? This is where we talk about sex and gender being very much entangled to the extent that we probably shouldn't really be trying to talk about them separately. I think with respect to self-image and body image, still uh, eating disorders and body dysmorphia of various kinds, much more common in females and where that might come from. And understanding that this could be a very powerfully driven need from your brain could help people understand the difficulties that they have if they're struggling with those kind of problems. The thing about perfection, the perils of perfectionism, um, I give talk to uh, girls in, in schools, generally teachers saying I've got this amazing bunch of girls who are just going to do brilliantly in science, but they're going to give it up because they can. And, you know, they science isn't for girls kind of thing. They say, you know, I, why don't you want to do science? Science is hard. And what do you mean by that? What it really means is that science is um, something that they can get wrong. And girls, have, you know, their, their self-identity is very much tied up with, I'm somebody who always hands in my work on time. It's always neat. It's generally right. And uh, so I don't want to do something where things go wrong. And, uh, you know, I can make mistakes and not understanding that that's really what science is about. So that's a very specific example. And do you think men or women are more prone to certain men mental health diseases? I mentioned depression and eating disorders. And if you look at the statistics, clearly there's predominantly a female problem. It's the explanation that we give for that, that we, we need to understand. So clearly, for whatever reason, women are more likely to suffer from depression or eating disorders. There are uh, two other sort of brain-based gender gaps which are relevant and that is that um, women are much more likely to suffer from Alzheimer's and men are much more likely to suffer from Parkinson's disease and understanding that and how much that is tied to the sex of the owner of the brain who has Alzheimer's or, or Parkinson's is, is important. I mean are there any inklings currently or schools of thoughts in, in science that you can share with us? I mean I appreciate if it was scientific fact that would be quite different but what's the current thinking behind how that's possible with Alzheimer's and Parkinson's? Well Parkinson's interestingly in terms of the kind of social context one of the risk factors which is being explored is the fact that maybe uh, the higher incidence of Parkinson's in men is due to gendered occupations. They're much more likely to have been exposed to toxins or to have played sports, which have led to, at the time, subclinical brain injury, which has sub subsequently emerged. That's quite a nice example of, you know, it's not because you've got an XY genotype that you've got Parkinson's, it's because you played the kind of sports which is likely to lead to head injury. I think those two are entangled. Alzheimer's may be related to evidence that women have a much more powerful immune response, 
what actually happens is that the brain is being attacked, if you like. Why is it being attacked? How is it being attacked? And is this in, in any way related to the fact that women, again, a sex difference, but overlapping, appear to have more powerful immune responses, as we've seen in recent COVID-19 statistics, for example. Obviously, you're very big on busting the gendered brain myth. What other brain myths do you want to share to dispel? We've done right, left brain. Any others that you think are worth sharing with people? Well, the old 10%, we only use 10% of our brain. That's definitely a myth. Bigger brains are better brains in this area, as in so many. The size matters issue is <laughs> is something which is is still a, a point of contention. And what are your what are your top three fascinating discoveries that you've learned over your time about our brains and our mental health in in your work as uh, you know, obviously previously the head of neuroimaging? I mean, I think uh, the work of people like Oliver Sacks, for example, um, it is amazing what individuals do with their brains. <laughs> or what individual brains make people do. So there's a case studies of people with profoundly damaged, in inverted commas, uh, brains can still do. And that now that brain imaging is becoming more common, we have discovered. It's also fascinating, I mean, working in schizophrenia a long time ago now, uh, understanding how we try and make sense of the fact that the world doesn't make sense of us by trying to impose some sort of order on it. So talking to individuals with particular kinds of hallucinations, you could see how how those hallucinations arose from the context in, in, in which they were. So not quite a brain imaging thing. Just looking at, at nerve cells, I, I love the way nerve cells work uh, and the fact that we can now watch that. You know, we've now got ways of, of dyeing nerve cells different colours and being able to produce dangerously subjective brain images um, as long as we're careful about how we interpret them. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brain Care Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and follow us at your heights on Instagram and Twitter for daily doses of brain care. If you want to know more about how healthy your brain is, you can head to yourheights.com forward slash brain health to get your free score from one to 100. See you next time.